Hello and welcome to the Dynamo Faithful Podcast, your spot for everything Dynamo. I'm your host, the Sinsky Man, and with me today is the always faithful Kyle. It's me. The two of us are reviewing the loss to Seattle, discussing team news, checking in on our rivals, and previewing the upcoming match against Sporting KC. Will Smith sings a song just the two of us, and like the lyrics say, Kyle, we can make it if we try. So let's try this thing. What did you think of the rotated lineup in this loss away to Seattle? Oh, man. Um, it was a bummer. Real bummer of a game. Um, if we had gone to Seattle and frustrated them into a nil-nil affair where they should have won, but we somehow scraped a point, I would have been really, really pleased, um, especially given the way that we played. Uh, defensively, we were pretty solid. We did not do much in their half of the field. So if we were able to have held on to that nil-nil all the way, um, I think I would have been really happy. But as everybody listening to this likely knows, we did not hold on to the nil-nil. We let one in at about the 67th minute, um, which was a bummer, uh, the way that it, it ended up coming about. Because um, yeah, sure. I thought Steve Clark had a great game. I thought... Ethan Bartlow had a great game. Um, so there were there were some some bright spots. Uh, but this the the last 25, 30 minutes or so really got away from us, uh, which is tough to see. Um, you know, our road form has not been great. So it's not necessarily a huge surprise, but the way that it happened with the red card and with our team just kind of collapsing a little bit, um, it was it was frustrating. Yeah, I think I have to agree. And which before the very quick double yellows for Mikel, I didn't think he was doing half bad at left back. I thought it was one of his better performances there, at least. Not to say he was great by any means, but I didn't think he was getting overrun or getting beat up too badly. And then all of a sudden, he steps on a guy on a tackle and then decides, I'm just going to set up a screen because I'm beat. And both of that happened very quickly, and all of a sudden he's off the field. So I just – I might be done with him at left back. We've got so many mm. bad options at left back. I don't think he needs to be <laughs> a bad choice, you know. So I'm done with that, Ben. If you're listening, we know you're listening. You can go ahead and just keep Mikel in the middle of the pitch. Um, I feel I feel bad for him um, in this game uh, because – like you said, definitely, Mikhail I think he's Mikael. Um, I don't. I don't necessarily have feelings towards Ben from this game. Although, big props to him for not getting sent off because uh, he he probably was very close to doing so. Oh yeah. Um, but no, I I do I do feel a little bit for Mikael because yeah, I definitely think this was his best stint at left back yet. Um, and he actually he looked like very comfortable in this game. Um, but I think you start to see like. I think we forget that he is pretty young and because he looks like a fully grown man. He really does. Like, That's why he plays yeah. center back, man. Good. Yeah, he looks he looks 32 and not 22. Um but we you know and he's still adapting and growing in the league. Compare like and and I'm going to compare him to Bartlow and Bartlow's not much older, but I think he's just got a little more league experience. So Mikhail gets two pretty soft yellows, but the second yellow is like a you're on a yellow card. You should not be like you call it doing this kind of screen pick and roll move 
when you're on a yellow card and doing this very unnecessary challenge. So I think it was a really rookie move of him compared to Bartlow right at the end of the game, right before the ref blows the whistle for full time. Bartlow whiffs a uh, long ball over the top and Seattle runs it down and they're kind of through on goal. Bartlow has every probably right to just pull that player down, take the red and stop the breakaway. But he tracks the player back. He he slows him down and gets in front of him and forces him to make a pass. Um, so I think it just shows like a good, you know, a little bit more experienced decision maker on the field. Mikhail is getting there for sure. Uh, yeah. But I think tonight or this game, you could see uh, you could see the, um, you know, the the rookie status a little bit more. And he probably doesn't get a yellow if he didn't have to reach out and lean over and clearly hold the guy up. If they just kind of bump and run, then maybe it's a little different, but it's obvious that he's trying to grab him. It's obvious he's stopping the run. And that's, that's a yellow card, especially in that part of the field. And then on Dinah bros, I think it was Manny who said like, if the guy hadn't gone to ground, then he doesn't get stepped on. And that's probably true, but you're not allowed to step on people. That's a yellow too. So (laughs) That's so it just true. kind of stinks that he it did was like, still step on him. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't think if Manny was the one getting the spikes to the top of the boot, I don't know if he'd still yeah. have that opinion of, well, yeah, I went to ground. It was my fault. Yeah. Don't worry about it. It's like, it's like the bossy red card in the last Seattle game. Yeah. You know, like it was a, if it was, you know, a half second later, it could have gone the other way. You know, this guy could have stepped on Mikhail, um, just based on the way the challenge happened. But yeah, it was it wasn't great. It was from behind and a lot like the Seattle player, the, you know, 12-year-old kid Baker or whatever his name is that got a yellow card, you know, going right through Quinones like it's uh, you know, it's just a bad challenge always from behind. You usually going to end up in a card. Yeah. Unless you point at the ball and say, "Look, I hit the ball." Then you're allowed to to scissor kick a guy down. That's fine True. with both studs up. So, what what is a card and what isn't a card? It's the MLS. It's pro referees. You know, maybe, maybe Mikel should be a little surprised that that was a yellow, you know, because a couple minutes later, a guy's allowed to studs up, tackle somebody. So yeah. I don't know. You got to try everything right now. See what's not going to get you a card. So what, put yourself in Ben's shoes. Mikel comes off. You got to make some tactical changes. What do you do differently? He brought in Gaspar for Nelson. Brad Smith came on for Bossy a little later, Franco for Artur, and Thor for Baird. What would you have done differently? Yeah, would this is a good question. Of left backs? Yeah. How many other? I, I would have brought Griffin Dorsey on as a third left back option. Um, <laughs> Vanderkus gets brought up from Dose, right? Yeah, some, somehow Vanderkus gets brought up, which I also think, I think Vanderkus, is, he got shipped out. Is he still at Dose? I don't know if anybody knows where he's at now. Hector Herrera said like a yeah. best of luck type of farewell post. So I don't know if he's here or not. Yeah, I don't know. Dynamo never said anything, but HH seems to think that he was leaving. So, uh, yeah, this is this is a tough call. Going down to 10 men really makes you have to think about how you're going to approach the last bit. And at this point in the game, it's 0-0. So, like... Sending on two left left backs maybe was the right call for trying to shell up and, uh, you know, keep us alive. But um, at the time of the goal, which was only uh, about four or five minutes after the red card, um, Gaspar comes on to fill in the left back role and 
you know, in typical Gasper fashion, loses his man and Ruznak scores. Um, I think I would have gone with, I, I would have asked HH if he could get on the field, honestly. <laughs> I think HH, if he could have How played sick through are you his really? chills and his stomach pains, um, he might have been able to hold that game together for us a little bit. Um, Artur and Caicedo, I thought, played well in the double pivot. Um, HH just really makes that midfield complete. Yeah, Bossy Arthur played, had a great game, I felt like. He had, Arthur had a great game. He played really well. Guy, yeah. He just needs some help around him he yeah he i think that he um he, yeah he needs hh or coco in there to help be the proper midfield general and outlet um mm-hmm. bossy played as kind of a 10 in this game um but since did you notice bossy really played as like a second striker yeah yeah i was thinking that what do you think about that I think we could have 50 strikers up there. Nobody's taking more than one shot, maybe two shots. What does it matter? Um, I I definitely prefer, and here's what I think the problem is, is I Bossy seems the most sure-footed when he shoots, you know, of, of our starters. And I just, this is kind of moving us into the next point for me, but maybe Aliyu's not a nine. Maybe that, how much grace period do we give him? He's struggling to score in this league. He makes great runs. He stretches defenses. But even in the the obvious goal-scoring opportunities, it's like, I don't think he's going to make it. He doesn't make it. I want to think he's going to make it, and I want him to make it, but it hasn't been happening in the league. So here's my question for you, Kyle. Does every offensive player need to be able to stretch the defense? Maybe we're stretching so much that we're taking ourselves out of the attack as well. I don't know if that's a real thing or if that's just something dumb because I don't know what's going on. That's a good question. Yeah, I, I definitely think you can you can stretch yourself too much. You know, in the context of this game, on ten men especially, it becomes really complicated to maintain shape. Um, yeah. But you know, put eleven people on the field, put twelve people on the field. If you don't have somebody you know, in that middle of the park role that can deputize and can be the one to help create and, you know, align a, a with the team to shut down counterattacks, you know, HH, Coco Karskia, these are the guys that we needed in this game to, to maintain our structure and our tactical approach to unlock Aliyu, to um, utilize Bassi's skill to try to feed Nelson the ball a little more. Um, we just didn't have any of that. Like Baird, outside of Baird's chip through ball to Aliu, which Aliu totally flubbed on, Baird was useless. Quinones, try as he might, couldn't really make it happen. He had that one good run and shot in the first half, and then that was pretty much it. Um, I think that's how Bossy, he started the game, was with a good run, cut in. It was. Got, it was so nice. Keeper, but on target, yeah. good shot. Yeah, part of that. If we had, you know, if we had had more of that, like that could have been. It, it could have felt like we were more dangerous, but we had none of that in this game. Um, I think we were stretched way too much, and we didn't have the right approach. Um, and we definitely didn't have the right personnel to to bring it back to a uh, to to get us into dangerous positions. Yeah, 
And I just I just wonder if maybe Aaliyah's skills in stretching the defense and pulling them might be better suited on the, on the wing where he's really fast, really dangerous. A center back sees him and goes over to help out the fullback, and all of a sudden the inside of the box is a little bit more open for other yeah. players to, to get a shot. But I think you're spot on with Coco and Hector helping maintain structure and stuff. I think since the Gold Cup has started and we have been coconutless, we really are seeing his value on this team. Like absence makes the heart grow fonder. I am missing Coco right now. I feel like this yeah. squad and I've been texting all about how maybe he'll have a good gold cup run and we can ship him out and upgrade. But man, he is a he really is an integral part of this team because for a little while there I was thinking maybe we sub out Coco because of the wild shots and the the final mm-hmm. third kind of like indecision. But just seeing how much he impacts that midfield, not having Coco has really been a struggle for this team, I feel like. Am I right? I think you're big time right. And I think it, you know, it's it's so evident when Hector Herrera doesn't play. You know, from there we go to Luis Caicedo, who started this game and went uh 90 minutes, picked up a yellow card, had actually a pretty decent game. Um, yes, yeah, so Sato has kinda, really been banged for buck for sure. Oh yeah, for sure, big time. Um, Jake from, from Dynamo Faithful, if you're listening, you were right about Sato. I was wrong. There, I said it. I was wrong. <laughs> I don't know who uh, Luis Sato is, but Luis Sato has been really good. I do um, my best with these. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Try, sorry for all that too, for all of our uh, Spanish speaking listeners. Trying to yes, trying to keep I, I'm sorry for that here. too. Yeah, um, but we do, we do the episode in English, so we're bound to get it wrong. Casado's been great, but then from there it's Brooklyn Reigns, and then you've got Juan Castilla, who's probably not going to see first team minutes this season. You know, if it's going to keep trending the way that it is, so we we have a pretty big drop off when you've got guys like HH and Coco out. Especially uh, it's, at the same time. Yeah, yeah. With both of them gone, it's it's really tough. To go back just slightly to your Aliyu point, I think it's really important to look at where Aliyu has been successful and specifically where he's created goals from. They've been on wide starting positions, attacking in. Yeah. You look at the outside of the foot through ball from Coco. Down the line, Aliyu makes the run in, takes the ball, has a nice shot near post on the keeper. Um, you look at his, uh, what's that open cup goal ball over the top that he runs down from outside in and blasts it past the keeper. I think that we've got to get him the freedom to run on the outside a little bit. Um, you look at this game, the through ball from Bartlow plays it down the line and Aliyu goes and tracks it down. Like we need him to have that space to run outside. Whereas, and, and make like the run that, you know, Corey Baird plays him in on in this game, the through ball kind of behind the defense. He needs to add that space. He's so fast. And if we could utilize him out wide, put Thor up top and then shift tactically elsewhere on the pitch, I think we can make that happen. Um, Cause we're, we're just not dangerous enough right now. And I agree. Thor is going to make us more dangerous, at least by taking chances. Yeah, I agree with that a hundred percent. I'm glad you knew where I was where I was heading with that. Didn't even have to call out the God of Thunder. You did it for me. And now here's the big question. And this is, I'm really 
interested in your opinion on this one. Is it time to change up the tactical approach and lineup, or should Ben stick to what is working at home? This is a great question, and one I don't know if I have a good answer for, <laughs> because I feel like we're getting into like Nagamura territory here, <laughs> where you start looking at we've got we get different lineups, different starting 11s, different approaches. You start tinkering, and and I think that's no where it's starting tell to fall apart. Are. Exactly, like. Naga seemed to have a bit of an idea until like game week 10, 11, 12, and then it started going off the rails. So Ben's lasted a little bit longer, but I, it, it's hard to tell if it's the right time to start switching things up. I think, I think you've got to start switching things up to at least make us more of a threat. And how are we going to become more threatening? Put players on the field that are going to take chances. Um, however, we're doing really well at home. Does Ben just keep playing for home dominance with the players that he's been putting out there? Or do you try, you know, changing things up, putting putting Thor on the pitch, putting Ivan Franco back on the pitch? I don't know. What do you think, Sinski? I I am really on the fence here because when I look at the table in the West, 12th place has 22 points. Second place has 32 points. It's a 10-point difference. From two to 12. So if you change things up and it goes south, you drop quickly right now because yeah, yeah. it's so tight. But right now we're, we're having that classic Ben Olsen season where it's about 50% wins. And, you know, we've got more losses and draws together than we do wins. But we also have more wins and draws together than we do losses, which, you know, for the Dynamo, eight wins with lots of games to go is kind of interesting you know so i don't want him to change things up too much especially now that this season there's extra playoff spots to to wiggle around in you know i think if we mix it up that we're gonna fall i will say i'm surprised we didn't ever move to a back three because i feel like ben olsen would like three center backs especially when you have mikhail mm. bartlow and shevchenko whose name I'm also never going to get right. <laughs> but when you've got those three studs and each kind of brings something different to the table, I'm surprised he hasn't said, we're going to go really defensive, back three, wing backs, and kind of do some sort of wing play or something. And then you have our midfield like dominance that we have and just go with like a striker or something. And I didn't count how many players that was. I'm just shooting off the from the hip here so maybe that's what we need to try we need to try to get more players on the field <laughs> it, it seems to work when you have more players than the other team you win so you know we yeah. seem to like to go down a man to seattle or two men so yeah but i i, I think, just think if you tinker too much at this point with how tight everything is i feel like there's more risk than reward yeah i think i'm with you on that um i think like in my in my heart, you know, as a as a fan of good progressive soccer where you've got goals and you've got people taking chances and, you know, uh, wanting to see daring feats on the field. Like right. the, the, the chip ball to Thor in this game, I wanted to see him take that ball off his chest and bike it, you know, uh, and, and instead he lays a bit of a duck of a header. Um, like I want to see that kind of stuff. And I think to do that, we've got to have 
good, dangerous players on the field that want to make chances happen. Um, and I don't know if we have many of those options. Corey Barrett, I don't think is, although I mean like Corey Barrett's having a better season than I think anybody thought he would, but there's still not much coming, coming from him. Um, I, I, I just, I think I know that we shouldn't tinker and change too much because it's technically working, but it's just not always super fun to be a part of. Yeah. And this, this Seattle game is a good example of that. Um, and I think, I think we knew that when the moment Ben was hired, we knew what kind of uh, structure we were in for, what kind of formations and things like that would be on the table. And it's just, he's a defensive style coach. So we're getting that kind of play, especially on the road where it's the MLS. You're just trying to get as many points as you can. And whether that's five or 15 or 20, you know, a road points, a road point. So we were obviously playing for the draw in this game. And, had we not gone down a man, Dynabros said it all. We would have got that draw. Although Scroggins seemed to think on Dynabros that we would have got the win. I watched the game today before this uh, <laughs> filming, and I don't think we would have got the win. I don't think the chances were that good. Maybe Scroggins and I don't always see eye to eye. So Archer know. almost broke the goal when he hit the post. That, that was a great is... shot. Rui a Diaz got in behind the whole defense too, and just like let the ball through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Seattle—they—they they definitely had their chances, but that's not to say we didn't have our chances, although we didn't have many. And you know, I watch more of the Dynamo, so I know that we're more likely to not take the chance than to take it. So maybe yeah. that's maybe that's kind of what I'm leaning on to. And now, yeah. last question about this um, review: Who is Ben's bestie of the week? You have the tough honor. one here. Tough one here. Um, I think I'm going to go with Ethan Barlow, even though he had that whiff in the first half. Um, he did record our most shots in this game with two, one of them being the bad one um, and one of them getting blocked. But he just had a good return performance. You know, he's kind of been rotated recently. And I think uh, this game against Seattle, tough game on the road, playing in his home state i believe or at least where he went to college where he got picked up um you know it's it's a it, it was a good return for him uh not quite the result he probably wanted but a good 90 minutes yeah i i still kind of feel bad for bartlow losing his spot after playing so well but i think he's young enough that it might not be bad to have a kind of season top dog ahead of him anyway but for me, the Ben's bestie of the week, and you kind of alluded to this earlier, Kyle, you may not remember, but you talked about how Ben almost got sent off as well, a second yellow card. I think his bestie is Aurelian Collin, one of the other coaches on the team. He kind of got us a yellow, which I think was basically him bodying for Ben saying, look, you can't do it. I'm going for it. I'm going to get a yellow and talk about how crazy that is. How do you not get a card on that tackle? <laughs> How does that not happen? So, Aurelian yeah. Collin, for the first time on this podcast, you are Ben's bestie of the week. Congratulations. Producer Ian, do the party noise. Suit off some 4th of July fireworks for Aurelian Collin, our bestie of the week. Love that. And with that, we're going to move into the general news of the team. Kyle. Ben said in an interview that Teenage might be set to return sometime during the League's Cup, which would be August-ish. Now, 
I don't know a lot about the League's Cup, but all the fans are like saying we better not go for it. Do you think this is a good thing? Teenagers coming back? Do you care about the League's Cup even? Um, is this a good way for him to get back in the squad? Uh, always happy to hear that um, injured players are you know nearing a return, and especially yeah. somebody like Teenage. He's he's a fan favorite. He's a team favorite. He seems to be like everybody's best friend on the team. Um, he rides his little, you know, one leg scooter around all over the place. Uh, so yeah, happy, happy to hear that he's working his way back in, um, hopefully sooner than later, but you know, surgeries are tough to recover from as far as leagues cup go. I, I don't care about it except for, I think it would be awesome to have some Dynados boys get a good run in this thing. Um, sweet. I care about the open cup. And I care about making playoffs. I don't know what a league's cup is. I don't know what it looks like. I don't know where it came from. I don't know if it's a made up thing. It sounds made up, but I I hope upon everything that we do not put first team players out there. The first game in the league's cup is like end of July. Like it's coming up and it's amidst a pretty heavy schedule already. And uh, I think Ben cannot afford to put any of our players in that thing. So, Dynados boys, get ready. It's your time to shine. I really hope that's the case. I would love to see those guys get some more minutes out there and and in the official like Dynamo with the two root stars jersey. Let the boys do that. Especially yeah. Juan Castilla, who deserves first team minutes, but I think you're right. He's probably not getting them the way it's been going. All right. That's basically all the Dynamo news. So let's look at the other Dynamo teams. We have the Dash and we have Dynados. I'm going to let you take the dash, Kyle. Sure thing. So a couple of things going on with dash right now. Some dash related, some previous um, coach dash related. Not so good. Uh, But dash news first. Uh, Unfortunately, picked up a 1-0 loss to um, North Carolina Courage. Real bummer. Uh, they're sitting in seventh place on 18 points just outside of the playoff spot. So still fighting. Um, still working hard, still trying to pick up good home performances. And uh, they're in the uh, three matches left in the Challenge Cup, trying to get out of their group, currently sitting in third place on three points. Um, and last bit of Dash news is an older Dash coach who's now the Women's Ireland coach, Vera Powell. She is being uh, discussed in a new write-up from The Athletic. Um, basically, a bunch of like anonymous Dash players and coaches are coming out to say that she is like a uh, an awful person and kept telling Dash players that they were too big and was physically like manhandling some people. Um, so naturally, she's come out and said that it's not true and that she's got a bunch of people on her side that are saying uh, basically character witnesses. Um, so she's basically recruited some people to be like, no, she's not like that. She's a great person, um, which is always good to have. So this could go either way, but it's not looking great for her. I, why not just pull the tape? I feel like we've got to have like the <laughs> facilities have re- cameras, right? Probably maybe not in like the locker room, locker room. That seems inappropriate. But the rest of the building, is she only mean in one area? I feel like there's got to be tape recordings, you know? Let's look back and see how practice went, all that stuff. 
get to the bottom of it, figure it out. If she yeah. if she's being awful, get her out. Get her out of football. If not, all right. I don't know. And I'll go ahead and take the Dyna Dose, another one zero loss. You know, that seems to be the Houston scorecard for this week was just one zero losses. But at least they lost to the Tacoma Defiance, who have to have the coolest badge I have seen in all of sports. It's like a ship with this like squid, octopus, or some sort of tentacle monster coming out of the water to get them. Very Pirates of the Caribbean. Very cool. I think it's dope. That's uh, cool. It's a great name, too. Yeah, Defiance. That's that's sick. Now, you're not going to see that probably at the highest professional levels, but that's kind of the fun thing about second teams to me is that they yeah. get to have a little bit more freedom to be fun and have like those cool names. But uh, yeah, Dyna Dose are struggling. Ninth in the West and uh, 22 points, only one point out of a playoff spot. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Form is an issue right now. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we see some bouncing back pretty quick from them. And then we can talk about our rivals. Dallas, Kyle beat LAFC 2-0. So I I think Texas just owns Los Angeles is really what it is. All those Californians said, we're leaving California, going to Texas. And now, you know, they're basically ours, lock and key, pretty easy. Uh, How did Austin do? Yeah, Austin, um, I think, pulled back a 1-1 draw against Miami. If I recall... Miami had gone up. It could have been vice versa. Um, I really don't care that much about Austin sports teams. Um, so I did not watch this game. Uh, but one of those teams kind of clawed back a late a late draw. Um, and I think it was Austin. But yeah, 1-1 to them, to uh, Leo Messi's soon-to-be home. Um, and uh, also just a note on Frisco, somehow beating LAFC without the pirate of the Caribbean himself, Jesus Ferreira, who is in, I guess some people's eyes, the greatest goal scorer for USMNT history. You know, isn't he like tied for the number of most number of hat tricks? I know he's tied with, yeah, he tied, he tied Landon Donovan three hat tricks. You know, I saw this like post, like look at who he got his on and look at who Landon got his on and hat tricks, a hat trick, man. Way to go. Jesus Ferreira. (laughs) You know, I, should should we be beating up Trinidad and Tobago? Yes. But has that always been the case where we beat up Trinidad and Tobago? No. So hats off to the hat trick yep. hero, Jesus Ferrer. He gets his due. Even even from us Houston Dynamo fans, congratulations to him. Good yep. shout out, Kyle. Good shout out. So why don't Sir. you go ahead and uh, give us the details on our Sporting Kansas City matchup that's coming up. Yeah, so... Um... For for the faithful listeners, you'll notice Sporting KC was not included in our Rival Watch segment. That is because we play Sporting KC this week at home at the Shell Energy Stadium. We're going to bring hell in the shell. It'll be a nice, hot, muggy night. 7.30 p.m. kickoff uh, scheduled, likely like a 8.45 p.m. kickoff, according <laughs> to um, MLS Trends. But uh, yeah, really, really big game against a true long-standing rival. Um, We have a really good opportunity in this game to try to solidify our place a little bit in the table. Um, Like you mentioned, the table in the West is crazy tight. Uh, A a loss here bumps SKC up to our spot and we drop, you know, 
they're only three points back from us in, and they're sitting in 10th place. So everything from like fifth to 12th is just really, really crazy. Um, so we need three big points here to kind of give us a little bit of breathing room, but also just establish dominance over a team that we hate. That's really the end goal. You know, the, the playoff position is good, but it's more of an emotional victory when we win this thing. Yeah, we have to win against Sporting KC. And I'm a little nervous because they're kind of slowly moving up the table. They had such a bad start. I mean, everybody was embarrassing them at the beginning of this season. And now they're just outside of a playoff spot. Like I said, there's more spots this season. So they're just they're just one rank out. And that makes me a little nervous because they've gotta they gotta be tasting that, right? Like guys. Yeah. We win tonight. We're basically a playoff team right now. And Houston Dynamo's gotta be thinking if we lose, you know, there's a chance we're not in the playoffs right now, which plenty of games still to be had, but it feels nice as a fan to be in that green section that says, Hey, Mm -hmm. we're going, we're going to the show. So I'm a little nervous, but we're at home. So I think things are going to go well. Sporting KC did win their last match three Oh. So that concerns me, but we've already beaten them. You know, we beat them in the open cup. So not, I'm not too worried about sporting KC, just a little worried, you know, not too worried. Just a little. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's a healthy amount of worry for, you know, Sporting KC right now are like us, you know, two weeks ago. We were on a pretty good run. Everybody was feeling really confident. Uh, you know, open cup victory, winning in the league, winning at home, shutting out, you know, big LAFC road win, you know. And then, we, then had, we played a Texas team and they're playing a Texas team right now. So that's so true. This is the end of their run. True. That's it. Good thinking, Kyle. You know what? You're right. You're right. I'm back. I have no worries. I have no doubts. We're going to be fine. You know what? You know what could really get rid of our doubts? If Dinobot is on the side of the Dynamo. So let's ask Friendly Neighborhood Dinobot how he thinks this game is going to go. Dinobot, the floor is yours. Dinobot's prediction for Houston Dynamo versus Sporting KC. 46% chance Houston Dynamo win. 27% chance Sporting KC win. 27% chance the two teams draw. Dale, 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 Dynamo and stay faithful. Kyle, nothing to worry about. Nearly a 50% chance of victory. That's the full three points. Man, Dynabot, you're a team player. Welcome to the team. You're you're back. You're back, Dynabot. Right. Dynabot is back. So does that does that alleviate all your all your fears, Kyle? Oh yeah, I'm I'm kicked back, arms behind my head. I'm relaxing right now. We are we are smooth sailing in this game. I have no concerns, and uh, we're gonna be fine. Yeah, even Scroggins would be happy because if you look at all those numbers, pretty sure that's a hundred percent. That's right. Dinobot is mathematically back on track as well as on the side of the Dynamo. Had some bug repairs, uh, uh, some software issues. We got to take care of guys. <laughs> yeah. So with with a forty six percent chance victory prediction from Dinobot, Kyle. What do you predict the scoreline will be? Because you have to predict a victory. You cannot, but you'll break my heart if you don't. No, I, which I would never, you know, want to do or desire to do. 
Um, but I am predicting a victory, and I'm going to call it a 2-0. A classic Dosa Cero is going to happen with this game. And um, I do think we're going to see a little bit of rotation up front. I do think Thor is going to start. He's and bad. I think he's going to he's going to bag a goal just like he did in our US Open Cup fixture against Sporting Kansas City. He's going to get the first goal and then ooh, tough one here. I think Babyface Nelson is going to pick up another one for the season. I like that. Yeah, I think those two guys are going to link up and and they're going to have a nice creative flow up at the, you know, attacking third of the pitch and we're going to look smooth, cool, calm, and collected like we always have at home this season. It's going to be a nice, hot Saturday night win. Yeah, I think I think 2-0 is the way to go. It just, Dosa Cero sounds good, but recently there's been this thing called Tracy Cero, and I'm calling three goals. I think you're right. Thor starts. He's going to score for sure. I think Bossy is also going to get a goal, whether that's a penalty or a run of play goal. I'm not sure, but I think he'll score. And then I think Zvichinko is going to get up in the air and just lay one. Oh, wow. He's gonna get it. And I think that'll be the three goals. And, you know, Sporting KC is just not going to be able to answer. They're not going to have anything for us. Our defense is too solid at home. This is a fortress and we're ready for him. So, I, don't, I think that's how it goes. And with that being the predictions, we move on to the best part of this pod, Kyle. It's time for the fun wrap-up. Well, we're recording pre-4th of July. Listeners, you will mo- more than likely hear post-4th of July. So we thought it would be fun to talk about our favorite 4th of July traditions. And Kyle, you can go first, of course. I thought you were going to say favorite post 4th of July traditions, like things you do after 4th of July. <laughs> Take a so nap. That's when our listeners, you know, would be hearing this. We we don't want to exclude them from anything. Um, but since those don't exist, we will talk about our 4th of July traditions. Uh, one, you, you had a great Will Smith quote in your intro. So, you know, you got to throw it up to independence day. Oh, I mean, that's just a, that's a classic Fourth of July traditional movie. We will not go quietly into the night. Oh, oh so man. good. Um, so there's that. But uh, most recently, um, so for the for the faithful listeners here, uh, I play in a country band, and our band has been asked to play several times over the last few years for the Fourth of July festival in our town up here in uh, Northeast Houston. So um, I will be out there slapping the bass with the band, laying down some one, four, five country licks, and it'll be a great time. That's been a real, that's been a real fun tradition for the last few years. Get out there, play some good classic country music, see some fireworks, eat a bunch of hot dogs, you know, just, just good old fashioned American fun right there. Man, that, that sounds like a great 4th of July. And Independence Day is a great movie for 4th of July. I cannot knock that. But I tend to watch The Sandlot around this time of year. You know, July is baseball time. They have that great scene where the fireworks are going off. They're playing the night game because the fireworks are so bright. They can see that part's like beautiful. And it still calls to my soul when I watch that scene. Makes me want to get back on the diamond and throw some balls around, hit some home runs. I never really hit a home run in my life, but makes me want to, you know? And 
watch that movie and then also i love the the hot dog eating contest you talked about eating hot dogs but the fireworks oh, i the hate fireworks. the hot dog eating contest what i do no. is it too gross for you I love and respect hot dogs too much to see them get treated that way. <laughs> Dunked and and chunked, man. That's how that's how so you disgusting. I love it. Watching Joey Chestnut like go after his own record year after year, man. There's something about that kind of winner's mentality. He only beats <laughs> the best, and he is the best, so he has to beat that's right. him. That's what's up. But those are some fireworks, man. I watched the fireworks from outside my church, and we've been doing this for the last probably I don't know, maybe 10 years now. I haven't been doing it that long, but the church has been setting up shop. The fireworks are literally right across the street, not even a hundred feet away. When they go off, like you feel it in your chest, Kyle. It takes me back to my time in the Civil War when the cannons are just exploding everywhere, bayonet charges, these like musket balls the size of your eyeball getting just thudding in. Like that's what it feels like when these fireworks are going off. It it is like getting punched. You the viewers can't see it, but I'm I'm mimicking getting punched in the chest here. And that's gotta be the best part of the fourth of July, just looking up at the sky in awe and wonder and being reminded of bygone wars. That's that's it. That's that's the podcast. Thank you for listening to our cozy conversation this week. Be sure to rate us and subscribe so you get notified when the next episode drops. We love you guys and are grateful for you all. Make sure you comment about your favorite 4th of July traditions on our Twitter and stay faithful. Thank you for listening to the Dynamo Faithful Podcast. We are Chris Sinski, Manny Farcier, Christopher Scroggins, Jake Barry, Kyle McGuire, Emmett Rumfield, and James Franklin. Dynamo Faithful is produced by Ian Gregory Graff with marketing and design from Zach Billow. Dynabot is powered by predictions from 538 Club Soccer Predictions. Learn more at 538.com. Music provided by Alex Grohl on Pixabay. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at dynamo underscore faithful and send your questions to dynamofaithfulpod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and stay faithful.